Welcome to episode 99 of the Net Megasys podcast. The century is just one episode away and we are thankful for all your support over the years. This week's episode is all about the great continent of Africa, analyzing the continent's World Cup representatives and the squad. In this episode, I'm joined by our co-host Danny and also a very special guest, Patrick Tussun, or you may know him by the great name Junio on Twitter. You can follow Junio at J-U-N-H-O-P-A-T-R-I-C-E, which is Junio Patrice. Before we get into the details, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more platforms. If you listen to podcasts on web browsers, you can always check the podcast section on our website at www.nutmegassist.com. So let's get in there. How are you doing? Hi, Rithik. I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, been looking at so much World Cup content in the past few days. I'm a, my head's a bit fried, but ready to go. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great as well. And yeah, it's it's not like really normal for us to have a World Cup in in between a season. But yeah, it, like it's this this is always the first time for everything. So looking forward to it. And now I'd like to welcome our special guest, Junior. So, Junior, how are things at our very own fictional Junior Corp? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Um, yeah, I was a bit under the weather, but uh, got my voice back. So, uh, happy to be here. I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah, great. That's, that's, that's really great. And for all our listeners, while Junior Corp is fictional... Junior is like a really class football fan who could tell you about leagues that you might not even have heard of because he kind of gets gets like football all around the world. He could like tell you players that you've never heard of as well. And he is obviously a go-to person when it comes to football in Africa. So we'll be having fun over the next one hour or so talking about teams from Africa who are in the World Cup. So we have five teams from the great continent of Africa, starting off with the champions of the continent, Senegal, are in Group A with hosts Qatar, Louis van Gaal's tricky Netherlands and Ecuador. And then you have Tunisia in Group D with the current champions, France, Denmark and Australia. Then you have Morocco, as well in a group with Belgium, Canada, and Croatia, followed by Cameroon in a group with Brazil, Switzerland, and Serbia. And finally, Ghana find themselves with Portugal, South Korea, and a very familiar foe or enemy in Uruguay. So that's going to be a really feisty group, I, I, I think. And before we go team by team, I would like to pose this question to both of you. So who do you think has kind of like the easiest group or groups and a reasonably good chance of getting into the knockouts? Let's start with Danny. You've really put me on the spot there. Um, I would have said Senegal probably, but with the news just before we started recording that Manny's out, it makes it a bit more difficult, especially with how boringly good Ecuador can be they don't really concede and Senegal obviously without their best attacker I am kind of intrigued by Morocco's group I think that one of Belgium or Croatia could slip up and it could give them a chance I think I'm quite high on Morocco as as one of the African teams so I'll say Morocco but they do have two very tricky opponents ahead of them what what do you think Junior yeah I do agree with Danny Um, I was going to say Morocco either way, um, even before the the sad news that just came through before we started. Um, 
I really do respect Senegal quite a lot. I think Morocco um, are one of the better teams on the continent. Uh, they, they're a team that's very gifted in attack and they are also, they do have the privilege of being in, um, no offense to, to Canada, Croatia and Belgium, but Morocco do have the privilege of being in a, a rather better better situation um, in terms of your positions that they're going to face. So yeah, I will go with um, Morocco. I, I see them finishing probably second in that group. Yeah, it's it's quite tricky for Senegal as well. I mean, um, I mean, while Netherlands are really top dogs, I think Ecuador and Qatar are also like quite decent as well. So I mean, we'll anyway start with Senegal. They are the champions of Africa, and they did really well in the African Cup of Nations as well, the start of this year, and. They really did make it into the quarterfinals of their World Cup debut back in 2002. But I think in the 2018 edition, they just finished third, despite all the excitement that came about during that time. I mean, in general, if you talk about the squad, despite the huge miss in Sadio Mane, who's now going to need surgery, I guess there's, there's a reasonable amount of experience and quality in the squad. If you look at some of the players that they have, Kalido Koulibaly, Edward Mendy, uh, who are like quality players who play for top clubs, Chelsea specifically. Then you have Ganake, Chiku Koyate, who's, who's always been around in one of those Premier League clubs. And then they have a rapid Ismail Asar as well, who is, I think, kind of going to be very influential without Mane this time around. So Junio... Despite the huge miss that is Sadio Mane, do you think Ali Cisse's team has the strength to get out of this group despite having a really, really strong Netherlands side and two decent quality teams in Ecuador and Qatar? Yeah, I think um, Senegal's chances uh, lie in, will lie in the ability to, to beat Ecuador. Um, probably been more than the Netherlands. Uh, like you said, they still do have a lot of individual quality and as a team um, one of Senegal's biggest strengths is they do have this inevitable feeling about them almost like watching Fergie's um, United back in the day where even you know it could get to the 80th minute and you think Senegal aren't going to make it but they they do have this this team mentality that always sees them through they're a team that even when you know, the, the bit low in quality of them seem like they've been tactically or physically outmatched. Um, they do rarely lose. I think that's one thing which kind of have to note about Senegal. They, they're a team that rarely concedes and they, they rarely take defeats. So um, they have a strong defense. Uh, I still think Khalidou Koulibaly and Abdou Jallo are probably the best centre-back pairing in the continent. So they, they still have that. Uh, I think in midfield as well, they... You said they, they still do have Kanage, Chikukuyate, um, Papi Mendy, and the young Pap Matasa. So the, in terms of players with quality, players with experience, um, they're not short on that. Uh, whether or not they can beat the Netherlands on the opening day, uh, I think the the parameters of that game have, have kind of changed with Mane's absence. And they will probably have to try and do things very, very differently now. But I think the games against Ecuador and Qatar are very, very are going to be very decisive to, you know, to tell us about the chances. Yeah, and in the African Cup of Nations as well, I think in most games you could see that they kind of start the game quite slow, and then in the second half they kind of uh, go all out uh, in attack and they rack up this high numbers, whether it be shots or xG, and I think most goals that they've scored have kind of kind of came in the second half as well during the African Cup of Nations. And even in the final, we kind of saw that they kind of took the game to Egypt in the second half uh, and finally won the game in penalties. So, I mean, I mean knockout, in knockout tournaments, you, you obviously need to be like, up there from the start to the end. And I don't think Ecuador are a team that should be taken lightly I mean they have like decent quality there in the midfield as well with some really good young names 
and Qatar have been kind of doing quite well um, and they are also the host nation and they'll have that support as well uh, from the crowd obviously but yeah it's 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 a very tricky group like you um, like you mentioned but i would like to pose this question to Danny now how big a miss do you think Sadio Mane is i mean it's massive uh, like you both said the very solid in defence. They've got like a really functional midfield with Kiate, um, Gay, Mendy, and they're great defensively. But then a lot of their attack goes through Sadio Mane. He drops really deep to get the ball when he plays for Senegal, and he cannot often put them on his back on at times and, and come up with that moment of magic. If you look at the drop off in quality. To their other attackers, it's quite big. Not that their other attackers are bad, like Ismail Asar is good, but he plays in the Championship at Watford. Probably shouldn't be in the Championship, but that's where he's at. And then you've got their strikers, Dia, who's at Salernitana. You've got Nicholas Jackson, who sounds like a former president or a Senegalist attacker, but he's a VRL. Like, Manny is often the guy that puts the team on the back attacking-wise, and I think without that, it just raises a lot of questions about how far Senegal can go or even get out of the group. I think they'll be solid in defence. It's just they might be uninspiring going forward now. Yeah, and just to kind of back up what Danny says, uh, quite a lot of Senegal's attacks, um, if they're not going out wide, if they're, if they're going through the middle, um, Senegal's midfield is mostly tailored to getting the ball to kind of like the Swiss army knife that is that is Mane. Um, He's a player who can create chances for himself, create chances for others, um, create space. He generates quite a lot of um, XA, quite a lot of X threat as well. So he is, Senegal's midfield usually relies heavily on just channeling the ball towards Sadio Mane. So his absence isn't just um, a hole in, in, in this shape of um, the best player on the continent. Uh, it is also... Uh, Senegal are also missing the, the kind of the, the primary channel of not just creating chances, but so um, basically everything. That, that's how Senegal keep possession by kind of channeling the ball towards Mane. That's how they and Senegal do kind of want to defend with the ball. So this Mane's absence is, is honestly, it's a tragedy in itself. It's a really big tragedy, I'd say. I also think that Senegal are in this weird place where going into AFCON last year, Mendy, Edouard Mendy, the goalkeeper, was getting best in the world shouts. Now he's getting benched by Kepa. Koulibaly was in great form for Napoli and not had the best start both at Chelsea. So I don't doubt that those two will be good for their country because it's very different. But it is a weird place for them to be going into a tournament with with two main guys so out of form, and then the main guy in attacks out as well. I think another thing to mention about Senegal is they've got some real demons to exercise with the World Cup. They went out in the last group stages on the amount of yellow cards they got. I think Japan got one fewer card in the group stages and ended up going through again over Senegal. So they'll want to right that wrong this time. It's just I do have question marks about them going forward. With, with Idrissa Ganagay and Sheku Koyate in midfield, you just cannot put, you know, uh, you just cannot think of them getting away with uh, bookings, of course. But I guess another, like, really important skill that they, or important trait that they have is that Kalido Koulibaly is is really a top-class uh, defender when it comes to playing out from the back as well. He has this really good passing range in him, and I think he, he is really capable of switching as well, so I guess that's that's pretty much another strength that they have. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Kolibali is charged with switching the ball um, across flanks, while Abdul Jalo kind of um, carries the ball into midfield. Sometimes even bypasses midfield by himself. Uh, like Danny said, some of their players are not really in the best of form. The fullbacks as well um, for the Balo Tour and the, on the left isn't really getting minutes for. AC Milan and Ismail Jacobs, who is the the backup, kind of the backup to the, the he was I think he would he would be third choice under normal circumstances, but the first choice um, didn't hasn't been playing club football, so he was left at home. So 
for Debal Ture might be the starting left back. Hasn't been getting minutes. Um, Jakub's pretty sure he's not a consistent starter. Monaco with Caio Enrique ahead of him. Say the same for some of the strikers as well. Um, the strikers that they are taking, I think. Um, we, Ilimanjai and Buleja have been playing consistent club football. Famara Jeju is, I think he's been carrying, nursing an injury pretty much all season. And the other one would be, I think Jeju hasn't played a lot. And Nicholas Jackson, I think, isn't. Um, he's very young, um, so he's also not really getting consistent minutes at Real. So they do have that issue where not all of their players are playing um, week in, week out. Not all of their better players are starting games on a regular basis. So match fitness is also probably an issue now. Yep, and I think most importantly, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a good chance that Netherlands stopped the group and they are absolutely favourites as well uh, to top the group and Louis van Gaal's team was very much tailored in for knockout tournaments as well. I think we saw that back in 2014 as well and he is the kind of manager who who is adamant on on getting the best players for certain games and he's really good at that. So I reckon they topped the group and it's pretty much going to be between Senegal and Ecuador for me for the second spot. With, I mean, although Qatar are quite decent, I kind of feel that they're going to finish bottom of the group. I think the Netherlands will likely beat Senegal in the opening game and then the, the middle game for Senegal is Qatar, which you would assume they would win. So that makes the third group game really, it could be a big big game between them and Ecuador the final day so this group could really have one of those dramatic endings to it with that which will be something to look out for yep and that's pretty much it with Senegal and we'll now move on to the second team which is Tunisia and whenever you talk about Tunisia one of the first names that come to your mind is Wabi Khazri who's who's kind of a well-known footballer among the football fraternity or he's he's kind of the name who we could put into the category of streets won't forget footballers (laughs) so yeah so Tunisia from what I've heard and read is that they're a very solid team defensively they just conceded two goals in the World Cup qualifying which is quite amazing they have some Attractive names as well, Shiri, who's who's from Kohn, and then they have Jan Valeri as well. Unfortunately, they find themselves with France and Denmark, two top top teams. Denmark have been ridiculously good under Kasper Hummelmann, and they showed that at the Euros as well. And then they they also have to face a very experienced side in Australia. So they are in a very tough situation at the moment. Very defensively solid team, but not very much so on the attacking front. So, again, I'll start with Danny this time around. What do you make of Tunisia, Danny? Uh, Not a lot. Um, They are very boring. They aren't very good in attack. They're heavily reliant on set pieces. Kazri is excellent at set pieces, but... If they're not getting chances from set pieces, they're not really getting chances. I think this group might have the biggest gulf in class between the top two and the bottom two. Denmark and France are obviously very, very good teams. Australia are not very good. And I don't think Tunisia are that good either. I think you can take a lot from where most of their squad plays their football is out with the bigger leagues. I think... They have some league players. They obviously have um, Skiri, the the Cologne player. But then you've got people playing in the championship, Hungary. I think while that sometimes doesn't matter, I think for the just the lack of quality or real star man that compared to the other African teams really holds them back. I think Tunisia will just look to defend and play on the break and try and get those set pieces. I don't think they'll be one of the most entertaining teams to watch in the tournament, to put it lightly. Yeah, and that's pretty much the picture painted like 
about them as well. And this this also this issue where most of their players find themselves being constricted to their own half, which again tells you a lot about their style of play. But one of the biggest takeaways that they they don't concede good quality chances often either. And in knockouts, I mean, it's it's going to be really hard to break out of the group, but if they kind of somehow get their way into the knockout stages, I guess this defensive solidity could prove useful. But Junio, if you could probably summarize their strengths and weaknesses and probably a little bit about the way they shape up and the structure of their uh, like system as well. Yes, so um, you mentioned that they do find themselves pinned back. They have quite a lot, and I think that is um, ironically one of their strengths. Tunisia, whenever they play African qualifiers or local games, they do enjoy being pinned back. Um, I think it is a philosophy that they've drilled into kind of like their national identity ever since the early 2000s. Um, something which was popularized by French the brother, the Frenchman who kind of ignominiously got eliminated in the group stages in 2002, Roger um, Lemaire. So he is the one who kind of introduced this ideology of defensive football as kind of defense is the best offense for, for Tunisian. It's something that they've rode um, for the last two decades and Credit to them, it, it does work for them. It does work for them. So it is something you can't fault. Football isn't always pretty, but for, for Tunisia, they are one of the best set-piece teams in Africa as well. They depend quite a lot on Wabi Khazri and Ali Malou taking their set-pieces and Yusuf Msakni as well. So they um, they are a team that they defensively, they like you said, they don't concede quite a lot of high-quality shots. And even in the qualifiers to get this to get to the you know the playoffs to get to the world cup they only conceded i think one shot on target against um, mali and just to kind of summarize the, the the weakness now they they don't score a lot and the goal that they scored to get to this point was actually a known goal and then they could just kind of um, sat back for two hours of football and it worked for them so i think it is a philosophy that might not work on a greater scale. Um, in the World Cup, I think the gulf in quality between them and Denmark and them and France is is quite huge, and it's not a gap you can you can bridge with the the type of football that Tunisia play. But I do think if they manage to get um, set pieces on a regular basis, then they will uh, they might they might they might cause an upset. Yeah, from what I've seen, they're very, very effective at pushing teams out wide so the other team will attack them out wide and be forced to kind of cross it into the box over and over again and Tunisia will just head it out, defend. They won't give up those high chances like you both have said. I think they had seven clean sheets in a row coming into this tournament and then got beat 5-1 by Brazil. And if you think Denmark and France are sort of reaching the, the quality of Brazil, I think that kind of shows you, I mean, maybe not as bad as that, but teams with that sort of quality can really hurt Tunisia. They have players that can come up with a moment of magic, like Christian Eriksen. If you give him any space, he'll find someone. France have player after player after player. I think they've taken eight attackers to the World Cup who can just kill you in a moment. I think the teams that Tunisia tend to keep clean sheets against maybe have one or two of those players and, and they can kind of limit them. But when the quality spread across the pitch, it becomes harder for that system to work in a tournament. So, yeah, I think I think they'll defend well, but it, it, it won't be enough for them to mount any sort of challenge to go through in this group. And if you look at the fixtures as well, they start off their World Cup campaign against Denmark, which I kind of feel is is going to be really hard for them. And considering they don't get any point from that game, they then play Australia. And Australia themselves aren't really doing great as well. I mean, 
they kind of played a couple of friendlies against new zealand uh, a couple of months back and yeah they won both the games but in the world cup qualifiers as well they kind of they kind of got had to play the playoffs against peru to qualify um, they got beaten by saudi arabia in the third round and then they had like a couple of hard fought victories uh, one against jordan one against the uae and as as we all know the world, the final playoff they had to go to penalties to beat peru and obviously there was a little bit of luck there as well um because peru only missed one penalty in the shootout and yeah so that's that's kind of uh, what's happening with australia so if tunisia can get a result in their second game then they go play against france in the final game of the group stage and yes that's going to be like the hardest challenge that they face like danny mentioned this this too much quality there with france i mean they kind of struggled a bit in the euros and they had their exit early against switzerland which kind of caused all like all kinds of problems in the media and within the team as well but again there's there's no denying the quality that they have in the team and they are very much capable of ripping apart this tunisian defense despite its strength but i kind of feel there's still reasonably decent chance that they could find themselves uh potentially still being in 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 with a chance to make into the knockouts if they beat australia in the second game yeah i think um they gets a result if they get a result against australia then if they do find a france side that um, suffering from you know the world cup curse um, the champion the curse of the champions then six points is more than enough but i i do think one advantage that they have over a team like australia is the fact that tunisia do play quite a lot of games together the, the players are very very experienced um they're coming into this tournament with number of players with 50 60 70 caps so um they, they are a team that has played together quite a lot um, these players are used to to seeing each other out on the pitch so tunisia also do have like i said what the tactics that they they use work for them quite well and though if they do use those tactics against um a team like like France for example and they find France out of form then could work um they one thing you have to note about them is the fact that they have qualified for for um for world cups in this century which is level with some of the best african teams level with cameroon and nigeria and it is actually the highest amongst um north african teams um morocco and algeria have only done it twice and egypt have only done it once so it is kind of testament to how well Tunisia's um mentality the philosophy and the national identity works for them that they they've managed to qualify for four tournaments and no team has achieved more um in the continent yeah i think for how low i've sounded on Tunisia i think i would definitely give them the edge over australia in this group i don't think australia are good at all i think they're a bit of a mess most of australia's team play in second divisions across europe or in the a league and the A league isn't the strongest in the world so i think that tunisia will likely win that game just because they've got more identity than australia do they have this sort of team spirit which you can't really quantify but tunisia have it like they grind out results i don't think australia will do much so if the if france implode like like juno said and and tunisia have beaten australia in the second game i think maybe there's a chance i don't really see it but i think i think if anyone out of the other two in this group were going to go through it would be tunisia over australia yeah that's that pretty much sounds fair enough and we are into the next team now which is morocco and i'll let danny lead yeah so probably the most interesting to me team from africa in this tournament and arguably the best with mani being out is is morocco there's quality throughout their squad they've got bunu who's the severe goalkeeper their full backs are hakimi 
and Masrawi, who's obviously Bayern now. They have Aguirre at West Ham. They have one of my favourite players in Serie A, Amrabat at Fiorentina. They've got Ziyech. They have Unahi. They've got Bufal. They have Ennesri. And yeah, I guess the one big miss or kind of heartbreaking story from Morocco was, and I'm sure Juno can go into more detail, is Harit got very badly injured in the final game against Monaco for, for Marseille before the tournament. So he won't be there. But yeah, they're in a group with Croatia, Belgium, Canada. Um, Juno, how do you think they'll fare? Yeah, like I said earlier, I think they they have probably the highest chance of making it into the next round. They're a team blessed with immense quality all across the pitch, you know, from back to front. It's just lots of really good players, lots of players with good experience, um, plenty of recognisable faces across the board as well. I think tactically they're also the team which um, does, you know, they, they do they do a lot of interesting things going forward. They, it is kind of, um, it is something that works really well for them. You know, some might call it overcommitting, but they they do kind of flood the flood the opposition half. With, you know, Hakimi obviously is going to to be bombing forward on that um, that right wing. Back when they had Adam Mazina, who I'm pretty sure you're familiar with in Syria, but is not going to be at the tournament because I think he had a ligament injury. So if they if they do start Hakimi um, on either side, he started on the left in 2018. So if they do start Hakimi and um, and Mazraoui, so you have a team that you know could bomb forward and just absolutely congest the the opposition third with players like Ziyech and Bufal and Naziri plus the fullbacks. So they are a team that I think can and definitely will cause problems for every single team that they face in this group. Speaking of Harit, I think he is a, a very, very big miss. He's a painful one as well, but they they do have decent replacements. Um, I think Football League contingent will know of um, Ilyas Shair from Queen's Park Rangers. He is a player who I think is um, one of the most consistently hardworking, and he's blessed with so much talent, so much flair. And he is—he does have this potential to be kind of like a like a street from forget baller of sorts. Um, but I, I think Morocco aren't—I think they aren't short of, of strengths all over the pitch. I think they, I, I'm pretty confident in, in their chances of finishing second in this group. Yeah, I think you've touched on it. I think they can really hurt like any team, especially I think Belgium will be an interesting matchup. Belgium have obviously not never had the greatest wide defenders and their centre backs are aging or the ones that is, that will start are. And then you have this Morocco team that you've got the two sort of wingers in a four three three will come inside and then you've got Hakimi and Masrawi who will just bomb forward. And we know how good both of them can be in an attacking sense. So I think that will be very, very interesting to see how how badly they can hurt Belgium and Croatia. But yeah, I think I think they're the most interesting of the teams. I, I really like Amrabat that I've touched on. He's one of the best midfielders going to the tournament at evading pressure. So he can kind of get Morocco out of situations where teams, especially a Roberto Martinez team, might try and suffocate them. And he'll be able to turn and get the ball out to, to the players that are going to hurt other teams. So Ziyech, Bufal, who obviously a lot of people will know from Angers, but he was also scored, I think, one of Southampton's best ever Premier League goals. Um, he basically dribbled through an entire team and, and put it home. So I think that's just the individual quality of Morocco combined with a very clear and concise game plan makes them extremely dangerous. I mean, I mean, with Mazraoui and Hakimi, they they have like a very solid foundation there in the fullback area, and yeah, of course, Hakim Ziyech is is definitely quality, and getting him back is very important. And you mentioned how how big a miss Hare is going to be uh, again, a very 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 influential miss, like how Sadio Mane is going to be for Senegal as well but again they still have Sofian Bufal who's who's pretty good at 
dribbling and his he kind of showed glimpses of being one of those good range of players in the premier league back when he was at southampton so he's still a threat down the left hand side but i kind of checked how like i just kind of checked checked the recent fixtures and kind of found that they had a game against georgia today and they set up in a 3-4-3 rather with ashraf hakimi kind of uh, being a left center back with roman saiz playing left wing back uh again this might be temporary and you kind of again seen the coach uh, regularly kind of experimenting with the team since he took uh, over not so long ago i guess he took charge of the team in august after uh, halilovic was like halilovic left and there's been a few games where they've shown how good of a threat they are down the flanks but i think i saw some clips as well uh, of how how easily teams could break their midfield so i kind of feel that that it's a weakness uh, in the team and and the, the group that they're in as well croatia although they're not the same team that they were 4 years back they still have quality midfield especially luka modric even if he's 50 he's he's still going to keep on going and is still quality for real madrid as we see every season they have kovacic as well who's 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 strong in midfield so croatia have a strong midfield core same applies for belgium as well uh, although i don't think this again the golden generation has kind of passed on so despite morocco having a reasonably good chance to go through like both of you mentioned early on in the podcast i kind of feel the midfield issue that they have could prove decisive i think just on zech as well he just before we were start recording scored a goal from his own half against georgia in the warm up for this and he was obviously not part of the morocco team for a while and is now back in so and while he's not been consistent for chelsea his quality is is there and he'll be a huge addition to to them this tournament Um so I think now we're going to move on to our next team which will be Cameroon. Um Cameroon are in a group with Switzerland, Serbia and Brazil, so three extremely solid teams. Their standout players are obviously their goalkeeper Andrea Onana who's at Inter Milan. They have um Christopher Wu at Ren, uh Abose at Udinese who are having a great season. Um then you've got Anguissa uh, who's obviously Napoli midfielder. And up front they've got Mo Salah's biggest hater of course Vincent Aboubakar and everyone's favorite striker Eric Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting. So um do you know how do you think Cameroon will get on this tournament and and what do you sort of like and dislike about their squad? I think um Cameroon are in a very complicated group. It's really hard to tell aside from Brazil it's really hard to tell who was going to finish second third or fourth in that in that in that group but I think the thing that might kind of not work in Cameroon's favor is the level of experience that um their coach has. I think he is definitely the one of the least experienced coaches going into the tournament. Um I guess you could say the same for Ghana, but I think with Lego Betsong it is it has been somewhat evident in in the games that they've played in the lead up to to the to the tournament i think they they had a couple of friendlies in september october where he did try to tinker with uh, with the squad that he had the uh, you know tried a couple of formations you know started off with like a 343 and then he changed it halfway through um and this is considering the fact that in the qualifiers he had played a a 442 um in the in the playoffs that is so he has been trying out different things and the success rate the success rate has been has been quite mixed um but i do like the the quality that they have in transition i think with zambongisa um with brand bomo with kalto kwekambi fonso bubaka and chiponaldo they <laughs> they have quite a lot of really really good players who have the potential to to really hurt teams um in the break they do have again that's another thing they they have that they they have the they have a lot of pace from 
you know, in the flanks. So it is something which I'm pretty sure they're going to to try and utilize, um, breaking very quickly and trying to get the ball to to the forward line as as quickly as possible. Um, I don't think they have that much um, quality coming off the bench either. I think whichever formation they start, um, if they do start a three-four-three, I think Chupomoting is going to be on the bench, so he could come on. And I'm looking at the the team, and the only players who could kind of provide a spark on the bench in that scenario would be Chupomoting and George Kevin Kudu. So um, I'm not too I'm not too high, not too high on their hopes. Um, but I I still think they're not too bad of a group. Um, I think there's quite a lot of potential for for chaos between them, Serbia and Switzerland, as they battle out for that second place. Yeah, I think there's a lot of individual quality spread across Cameroon's like starting 11s. Like, Onana is obviously a very good goalkeeper, and Gisa is probably the best midfielder in Serie A right now, or definitely top three. And then getting Brian and Buemo to... Um, play for Cameroon was a big win. I think it's part of Project Eto or whatever he wants to call it, where they're seeking out people with dual, nat- uh, dual citizenship. So I think he's a huge addition to the team. And then um, Toko Akambe and, and uh, Eric Maxim Chupimoting and Abubakar always turn up for the national team. So I think there's nothing wrong with, with the quality across the team. And, and obviously they have a manager with a lot of experience. But I think... I just I'm a bit higher on Switzerland. Always look very good in tournament football, especially in the last Euros where they knocked out France. And then Serbia just have a bit more quality for me than Cameroon do. So I think I think Cameroon are a good team, but I think for who they're against, I'm a bit lower on them going through than than maybe if they were in another group. I mean, I if if there's any chance of them going through, I guess. They probably need to get a get at least a point against Switzerland and score a win against Serbia. And something that's in their favor is that they play Switzerland and Serbia in their first two games before they uh, play Brazil, which I feel is going to be a tough watch if you're supporting Cameroon because I guess Brazil again are one of the favorites to win the World Cup this time around with the quality that they have in the team. So. If there's any chance of them getting through, they need to get at least a point against Switzerland and, again, get a win against Serbia and hope Switzerland doesn't, uh, you know, get wins against Serbia and Brazil. Like, just hope for some luck to go their way. But I guess also in terms of their attacking strength, Toko Ekambi, uh, Abu Bakar, Brian Mbuemo, this 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 is a very good amount of quality in that in that team with respect to their attacking side i guess abu bakar as well is one of those players who who's really good at uh, his his short quality in general is really good if you just have a peek at his xg per shot which kind of is a decent proxy for short quality you can see that that's pretty much high up there whenever he's playing for cameroon and that's that's one of the positives that they have, I feel. And going back again to one of the weaknesses, I think I think defensively this this not there's no big name there in defense, I feel, apart from Andre Onana in goal and Onana as well as I mean, despite his immense ability to play the ball out from the back and in general his short stopping as well. I think this there's a few uh, you know, careless moments or like situations with him that could happen anytime. So that's again, I guess, an issue. And you need to be pretty much solid defensively, I guess, in in like international tournaments to even have a good chance of making it out. So I guess Cameroon, for me personally, I don't think they're gonna go through. But yeah, who knows if they get a good uh, result against Switzerland to start with and they might probably have some luck going their way. I think just even how Cameroon got to this World Cup was crazy. I mean, they were playing Algeria in the, in the knockout and Algeria scored in, I think it was with two minutes to go to put the, the game 2-1 on aggregate and then Cameroon scored in 120 plus four to win on the away goals. 
and that was just crazy. So I think just even how they got here was was mental, and I think that just shows kind of that they're much better than the sum of their parts at times. Um, obviously, Algeria have a lot of individual quality, so I think they are kind of outsiders in this group, but they definitely have a chance if, if one of the others doesn't show up. Yeah, fair enough. And Junior, do you do you really think Cameroon has a chance finally to sum up? <laughs> I, I I think the the fixture list kind of favors them in a way where if they do manage to get three points in the first game, um, the first game, pair of games, um, wherever it comes from, be it from Serbia, Switzerland, and hopefully Brazil have already qualified by you know, the time they they meet Cameroon in the last game, then a draw against Brazil would be would be an excellent result. So it all depends on on how they start the tournament. The first game will be a crucial indicator into how they how they'll do in the second game. And the Brazil game is is going to be unwinnable in my opinion. So all depends on if they can beat Serbia and Switzerland or if they can get positive results in in either of those games. Yeah, that that makes sense. And we are going to finally move on to Ghana, who are who have like a good. They had a good run in the 2010 World Cup before Luis Suarez decided that his hands would do the talking, <laughs> and Asamoah Gyan fired the penalty onto the crossbar, which again a huge heartbreak at that time. But that's that's one of the most iconic moments in World Cup history, anyway. But Ghana recently haven't been at their best. They've uh, they've kind of not been doing well in the african cup of nations either and even otherwise but they've kind of got some really interesting names into them like into into their squad like likes of Tariq Lamti, Inaki Williams etc have have been like recently been uh, have recently decided to uh, play for Ghana and especially convincing Inaki Williams would have been really hard and I guess Callum Hudson-Odoi could have, maybe, or should have, I would say, been a part of this group. But again, his loss, I would say. But I still think they have a reasonably good quality here. And although they're in a group with Portugal um, and Uruguay, who are two really strong teams, I kind of have Uruguay to go into the final in, in my predictions, which is very wild. But yeah anything for darwin nunes here but once again i guess they i mean the, the third team that they're going to face in the group is south korea who who had a decent tournament in 2018 they kind of got a result against germany as well so what do you make of the ghana squad in general junior i think um like you said managing to convince some of the some of the you know some good place to kind of switch to to Ghana is definitely something that they desperately needed. They needed um the this the the roof raised um the, the quality raised a bit and some of the players that they've added um, definitely do that Tariq Lamti, Mamit Salisu, these are players who are top top players and Anton Simeon is I think another one who definitely deserves a mention. Looking at his his statistics, um, you know, just watching him as well. He is a player who creates quite a lot of positive energy. Which um, his his progressive runs. Um, he's he's a player who can dribble. He's a player who also can, you know, he does win a lot of defensive duels as well. So, I I think he is one of the more important additions. I think probably far more than Inaki Williams, considering his age. I think he also has a higher ceiling than. Than Inyaki, you know, no offense to Inyaki, who I think is also a really good footballer, who um, definitely adds pace to to Ghana. That's something that could be useful on the break. But I also think they they do um, they do lack that bit of um, they do they don't have that edge, you know, that that X factor, you could say, which would separate them from from the better teams in the group. So. What they lack when in, you know, in you know, going man for man on paper, I think they definitely could make up for in um, just maximizing their 
the strengths, maximizing the players who are good on the ball. Um, Thomas, um, Kudus, Kofi Cherry, if they can get these players to move the ball to the, you know, to the offensive third, to players who can do damage there, then I think they will be, um, they'll be okay. Um, defensively, like I said, Moussa Lisu is, is excellent and getting Terry Clanty in there is also a really huge win. Not sure, not too sure about the, the left back spots, um, but I was surprised to see Barbara Rahman is still around. I'm not too positive about his offensive capabilities, but I think defensively he is. Um, he can be. He has. He, he can be defensively solid. So in terms of players on paper, they bit of a mixed bag, but um, leaning more on the on the on the positive on the positive side for them. Yeah, I think there's so much quality and attack for Ghana but I fear that come the end of the tournament our friend Burner might have been put in an early grave because he's touched at IU but start again and again for Ghana I think with Anaki Williams there and, and could have been on such hot streak for Ajax this season I don't know if those two IU brothers will start I think one one of them will, but maybe another one won't. I think they've relied too much on them over their careers, and, and now it's just a bit stale. So I think the freshening up of the squad's been really good. They've been aggressive in targeting people like Lamptey, Silly Sue, to, to come and play for Ghana, and that's just benefited the whole team. I think Semenyo, who's a personal So yeah, there's a lot of quality across this squad. I think, obviously, Thomas Party's there. It's a lot of controversy around him but he's very important to this team as is to Arsenal at, at splitting the centre-backs picking up the ball and progressing the play so yeah I think there's a lot of quality in that squad and I think with the teams in that group it's kind of a free-for-all for me I'd, Portugal obviously have the most quality on paper but the football they play is very stale and I can see them being one of the kind of big upsets of this of this tournament and then you've got two really solid and functional teams in South Korea and Uruguay who who have a lot of individual quality as well so I think Ghana do have a chance in this group it's just about how it gels together I also think their manager um, Otto Addo kind of switches about formation and system quite a bit or has in the past year I was reading which means that they're not really as settled as they could be or against other teams like Uruguay have a set system, South Korea have a set system, which might take away from their potential, but it remains to be seen. They do have a lot of quality in there. And, I mean, I just want to mention Isa Haku there, who, who got linked with Liverpool and Leverkusen last summer, and I, just, I think then he just decided to go to Sporting, and he's, he's not been very regular for them either. But Semenyo, like, um, Danny mentioned I've seen him in flesh and he is a real quality as well I think he's, he's a really top player for Bristol City and it's not long before he gets a big move uh, somewhere Celtic were linked with him earlier this year but uh, sadly that didn't materialize but I think overall they have a really strong attack uh, Inaki Williams obviously and Felix Afenagian as well from Roma. Kamaldin Suleimana, who's one of my favorite young players as well. But there's this, this really strong chance that we we see Jordan Ayew being one of the one of the main men in the team. Despite him being quite limited uh, technically, I, I think he, he still starts a lot for Crystal Palace um, under Patrick Vieira and he's going to be a main linchpin for Ghana as well I feel because he offers that work rate and the I mean he he I mean if he starts on the right hand side I think he's going to be one of those players who's going to track back and get his defensive duties and you can't probably see Kamaldeen someone like Kamaldeen doing the same on the left side so I think that's one of the reasons why Jordan Ayu kind of still starts mostly for whether it be for Palace or uh, Ghana. But one of the players that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Mohamed Kudus. I kind of hope that he has a huge tournament because he is a really 
solid versatile player who can play in midfield play in attack as well kind of drop in as false nine or probably drop into the wings as well so th- this reasonably good quality in uh, midfield uh, also with the likes of Thomas Partey like Danny mentioned uh, despite the controversy surrounding him so they have a strong base in attack and midfield defense i feel is quite weak and the group they're in they start their campaign against portugal portugal i feel again is, is has regressed a lot under fernando santos and diego jota is out of the tournament they still have top quality in attack and midfield but i think portugal are there for the taking in this tournament because they don't they kind of don't look really appealing to me as a, as a team under Santos nowadays and then uh, the second game is against South Korea which is going to be really crucial uh, a win there could take them into the final game against Uruguay again kind of like a revenge story for them and i guess Uruguay are also there for the taking so you can't really write Ghana off but probably judging based on their recent history there's there's not a lot of uh, hope to be honest if i could just um quickly agree with something that danny said i think ghana haven't settled tactically or structurally compared to some of the other teams um african teams or teams in the tournament in general i think even though quite a number of the team i think three of the teams are coming in with coaches who are hired very recently I think it's even for Senegal being the only one who the only ones who had a uh, same coach last year um I think compared that to some a, t- a team like Morocco have a certain way in which they they play so every, and when a new coach comes in when Regragui comes in he's plugging players into a set system that um the players are used to playing in and they know that this is how we've been playing throughout the qualifiers and this is how we've been playing um for 3 4 5 years and this is how we're going to play at the world cup and it's the same for tunisia this, tunisia have been playing the exact same way for 20 years now same for you know senegal under al ucc have a very specific way of playing but looking at ghana i think they have been they have been messing around with with the with the starting 11 um formations the the tactics quite a lot and they like danny said they had to settle on one singular way in which um or or a set of ways in which they're going to to attack or and and defend um i think that they also still haven't worked out things like set pieces um and going into a world cup especially going into the group which a group which feels like things will happen on on a dice roll um it is something which structure is something which would play a really really huge part in in Ghana's favor and lacking that I think is going to be a very very big weakness for them but I still do have still do have faith in in the coach and in the players um, to kind of the individual quality I think might be important in setting Ghana aside from you know helping them get across the line in games which might be a bit more complicated I think one kind of player that could be a breakout or cer- certainly someone that I, I quite like is uh, Salis Abdul Samed who plays for Long um who are second in league in right now he replaced Cheek Dukuri who went to Palace in the summer he's part of a very very good Long's team and a good midfield uh, next to Fofana I think he's only ever had one Ghana cap up until now so he's he's fairly new to the setup as well I think he's someone that could if he gets the game time stand out and make a real difference for them in there yeah uh, i mean those are like really good points both of you like put out and like junior mentioned i think this this a huge problem uh, with the starting lineup and the lack of stability that gonna have and i i guess that could be really crucial uh, as well going into the tournament because this this no settled approach uh, that that they've already been set on and i think that's probably going to cost them um, um their spot in in the knockouts that's that's what i personally feel or predict 
I guess uh, it's going to be Uruguay and Portugal going through out of the group I, because I think both teams, despite their uh, issues overall, have reasonably good quality, individual quality in the team and that could get them over the line. And we've all seen how Portugal, despite their, you know, uh, really, really hard to watch style of football under Fernando Santos, seem to kind of grind results out when needed most of the time. So I guess it's going to be both of those teams going out. I guess that there's also the, what you we've touched on it, the, the game against Uruguay will be huge for Ghana. Um, obviously with what happened in the knockouts last time those two faced each other, I think if they can get a result in that game, that would be huge for them as a country, especially especially with Suarez still playing and still starting for Uruguay. I think that's one of the obvious standout games of the, the group stages. Yeah, absolutely. And before we actually wind up um, the podcast, I'd like to get some predictions of you guys. Uh, in terms of the highest finishers in the World Cup, how would you put the teams in order? And what stage do you think they'll probably reach? We'll start with start, I'll start with Junior this time. Uh, in terms of um, predictions, uh, I I'm scared of making these predictions because I, I really don't want to kind of ruin anyone's World Cup hopes. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm specifically asking predictions from you so that uh, all our listeners can bet against it and make a good fortune out of it. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, so I think um, I think if I had kind of um, I kind of done some some pre you know some analysis um, and just a bit of planning to see if you know, how I think if Senegal do get past the group stage then they then likely face England in the next round. So I think if Senegal make it out of the group, they are going out of the last 16. Morocco make it out of out of their group, then things do get quite complicated for them, where they could probably face uh, Germany. Spain, so that is for Morocco. I think that's also looking like a last 16 exit. But Tunisia, I think I don't really see them getting out of that group entirely. Neither I also don't see Cameroon out of the group. I think they'll finish that. Ghana, I also have Ghana finishing finishing third in their group. But I think the the way the the groups were, you know, the, the way the paths to the final uh, set up this time is very, very, very tricky for African nations to to pull the, the runs that Senegal and Senegal pulled in 2002 and Ghana pulled in 2000. So I think I I think the last 16 is the best that I can see Morocco and Senegal achieving. What about you, Danny? <laughs> That's a good question. I think I think Senegal. I would. It's hard to say. I think I would have them maybe just coming out of the group, but then getting knocked out in the first round of of the knockout fixtures. I don't see Tunisia doing anything in the group. I think they'll finish third. I think we'll see Morocco make an upset and and get out of their group, just sneak ahead of of Belgium perhaps. But I can't see them going further than again that first knockout. And then with Cameroon and Ghana, I think they both have quality, but. I just think I would take the other teams in their group over them. So I don't think it will be an overly successful World Cup from an African standpoint. I think, like Juno said, it's 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 set up really hard for these teams to kind of make a run in the competition. So I, I see Morocco and Senegal making it to the knockouts, but I, I, don't, I don't see them making it very far. Mm, interesting, because I, I only have Senegal qualifying for the knockout stage, which is them finishing second in the group and then playing England and getting knocked out in the first knockout stage. And I have all the other three African teams. Despite my uh, positive reservations for them, I have them all finishing bottom of their groups, unfortunately. And and before we wind up again, uh, I'd just like to give a shout out to Aaron Moniz and his bracket challenge he has kind of made a really good web application with one of his friends 
which you can find on a Twitter account and get your predictions in and get it out as like a really good image. So if you are, you know, interested in predicting and kind of getting into kind of like a small game, just go ahead and visit Aaron's uh, Twitter profile and you can find it on his pinned tweet. And that is it with this week's episode. We are going to be again doing a lot of short videos during the World Cup period and kind of getting our YouTube channel up and running once again after a long, long time. But Junior, thank you so much for coming on to the pod and getting your wisdom out to all our listeners. It was really fun speaking to you. Thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you guys again. Um, hopefully, maybe we can do a one at the end of the tournament and hopefully most of my predictions will be wrong. African teams will have surprised all of us. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if... Hoping- <laughs> if you look at the time, if you look at our Twitter timeline, and if you if you see Junior's prediction history, the data tells you that if you predict anything against Junior, you are very likely to be successful. So maybe get your bets in if you're into gambling, of course. But of course, I'm not gonna promote gambling in any sort. But yeah, you you could bet your money against Junior, and there's really good chance that you win. And finally. Thank you once again, Danny. Uh, We are going to be back again with episodes during the World Cup period. So it's going to be a few fun weeks. Thank you for having me. I think it's twice in the past few weeks I've been on a pod with Juno. So he'll be sick sick of me. And I don't know whether I should be concerned that I've got exactly the same predictions as him for these teams. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My Spurs versus Marseille predictions, right? So... That, that is very true. It was absolutely spot on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And before, again, uh, before saying goodbye, I guess you should also follow the Pure Fitpo podcast that Danny co-hosts with the likes of Reese Jenkins, uh, who's again a friend of the podcast. So just go ahead and follow Pure Fitpo, P-U-R-E-F-I-T-B-A-W in Scottish style, obviously. So that's pretty much it from the Net Megasus podcast this time around. The next episode we record will be our 100th episode, us hitting the century. So we are going to try and make something special during the next episode. But until then, bye-bye everyone and take care. Bye.